we're really getting stirred as a, as a church leadership at the moment. Um, and this isn't, and I didn't say any of this at the first service, but um, on the 18th and 19th of October is our vision gatherings, okay? And uh, we want to share with you at those vision gatherings some stuff that God's saying to us as a church uh, for the future. And I, I know I say this, well, I never said what I'm about to say now. Um, so, so just listen to it. What we want to share with you is the biggest single shift that we think God has ever given us in our history in terms of the future. And it's huge and it's uh, scary, uh, but it's also born out of a real sense that we, we just know that God has so much more for us than what we've experienced. And we're grateful for all that we experience, but we just know that there's so much more. And so we want to really encourage you to be a part of this with us, okay? We're going to share it with the leaders on next Sunday night. Some of you who are leaders in this church will have already been invited to that. If you haven't been and you think you are a leader, come and talk to us, okay? Because that will just be an admin glitch, but we can can clear that one up. But we want to share you some stuff. And it's born out of a sense that there's so much more that God wants to do. And do you know what? It's also born out of a sense that we want to be a generous church, don't we? We want to be a generous church. And that isn't just the building, because the building isn't the church, You know, a year ago on the 30th of August, we had a fire, didn't we? Some of you might not know that on the 31st of August this year, OM had a fire as well. A year and a day to the date that we had our fire, they had the fire as well. How weird is that? You know, and either God is really talking to us or we're messed up when it comes to fire. I don't know what it is. But but there's something in our hearts about this last year where, you know, we said the building burned down, but the people have caught on fire. And we really sense that there's a generosity growing in us as a church. And we want to serve more people than we've ever served before. We want to help more people grow than we've ever helped before. And we want to see more people reach for Christ than we've ever reached before. And so we want to share that with you, okay? Yeah, that's good, isn't it? And we want to share all that with you, okay? And what I want to share this morning is in the context and the background of that. Because there's some nuts and bolts that we need to look at when it comes to generosity. We can all get stirred up with the big ideas, but when it comes to putting legs and feet and hands on it, it's a little bit more challenging. Uh, And so I want to encourage you to put those dates in your diary and be there, but I want to encourage you to open up your heart and your mind this morning. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, okay, and you say, I haven't signed up to this whole thing, I'm just checking it out, you're really welcome. This is your church as well, okay? We are really glad that you're here. A lot of what I'm going to say this morning isn't applicable to you right now. Okay, so you can sit back and relax and you can watch around everyone else's uncomfortable, awkward faces because if they've signed up to be a follower of Jesus, this is absolutely applicable to them. Okay, so you can sit back and relax. And also you can think, actually, if I do want to sign up to be a follower of Jesus, it kind of involves all that as well. Okay, so so we hope that you that you win on both counts. We're going to talk about generosity this morning. How do we go from good to great when it comes to generosity? How do we become the kind of people who live lives where we believe it is more blessed to give than it is to receive? And I want to start off by saying we live generous lives because we serve a generous God. Isn't that right? He is incredibly generous and it reflects who God is when we live generous lives. You know, as you know, because I've said it a few times in my midlife angst, maybe. I've gone 50 now. And my prayer for my 50s is that I don't want to just do what I've always done. I want to give in a way I've never given before. I want to invest. I don't want to live a small, closed up life. I want to live a generous life. I want to live a bigger life than I've lived before. That's my heart and my prayer. And I think when I, when I look at the heart of God and who God is and how generous God is, that only makes me want to live a more generous life. 
Bill Gates, anyone heard of Bill Gates? Of course you have. He's one of the wealthiest men on planet Earth. Some statistics about Bill Gates. He's worth over $72 billion. If he lives to his 90, he has to spend $6 million a day to exhaust his wealth. Can you imagine that? A day, that is phenomenal. If he gave $10 to every person on planet Earth, he's still got billions left over. I mean, you can't get your head around that, can you? If you gave a tenner to every person, every man, woman, child on planet Earth, you'd still have billions left over. That is crazy. And yet he's also one of the most generous men on planet Earth. He's given away between 26 and $28 billion to charity. But here's the thing, compared to wealth, to the wealth of God, Bill Gates is a pauper. And compared to the generosity of God, Bill Gates is a hoarder. Because even though he is so wealthy and he's so generous, that is nothing compared to the wealth and the generosity of God. God is so generous. He's so generous in his creation, isn't he? You know, when you look at creation, you look at the detail of creation, you think, why did you bother God with that detail? It's because you are so, so generous. Ultimately, God is so generous because he surrendered and sacrificed the thing, the person that mattered the most to him, his own son, Jesus. And here's the thing. He didn't give Jesus to people who were his friends. He gave Jesus to people who were his enemies. Do you know where none of Bill Gates' money goes to? None of the 28 billion that he's given away to charity has ever gone to Apple. Just a thought, none of his money has ever gone to Apple. Why? Because you don't give stuff to your enemies, you give stuff to your friends. And yet God gave the greatest gift that was closest to his heart, his only son that he surrendered and sacrificed, not to people who were his friends, but to people like you and me who couldn't, couldn't be bothered about God and turned away from God and lived away from God. He gave his best to the people who perhaps maybe gave their worst back to him. That's generosity, isn't it? And when you look at the generosity in the heart of God, then how can we not become generous people? And I wrote this down when I was preparing this message. And I wrote this, grace is made most visible when the people of God are most generous. And we make grace visible to our world, guys, when we are the most generous with what God has given us. So I want to I dive into Acts chapter 20 which is where the Apostle Paul is talking about time to move on. Okay, and I'm not saying that, but he's talking about moving on from Ephesus and he wants to share some things with these guys. And in the midst of these verses, he quotes Jesus who said it's more blessed to give than receive. Okay, and I want to share this whole generosity thing and I want to open it up in three key ways. The question we want to address is how do we go from good to great when it comes to generosity? Number one, be generous with your time. Be generous with your time. This is what Paul writes in chapter 20, verse 18. When they arrived, he said to them, Hey, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Paul basically says, Guys, when I came to you, life was tough. But when I was with you, I was generous with my time. I want to suggest this is one of the biggest challenges for us in our world, isn't it? How many of you have ever said, oh, I just haven't got enough time? Anyone ever said that? And so when we're challenged to be generous with our time, that can be a bigger challenge than being generous with our money sometimes. <clears throat> because it's so hard to be generous with that commodity that's so important to us, which is time. But here's a truth that will take you from good to great. You cannot save time, but you can invest it. You cannot save time, but you can invest it. And I want to encourage you. 
Become the kind of people who, who are generous with your time. You know, this is a weakness for me. You know, many, many people over the years that I've been leading here in the church have said to me, oh, you ignored me on Sunday or you blanked me or you walked straight past me. God, I didn't see you because I'm so focused. It's one of my strengths, which is also one of my weaknesses, as they all are. And I'm so focused on the next thing that I sometimes walk blindly past people. And sometimes what I'm focused on is going to see a person, okay? But I will ignore things, not because I want to ignore them, but because I'm focused. But God's challenging me at the moment to slow down a bit and to be more generous with my time. And one of the things that I've started to do, which is an interesting thing, which is just opening up, is I've started to talk to everybody that I meet in shops, okay? Like shopkeepers and, and, and assistants and checkouts and waiters and waitresses, because so often we do the transaction, but we don't ever talk to the person. It's a little frustrating for everyone waiting in the queue behind me, do you know what I mean, as they're trying to get out. But as I've started doing that, I've noticed God's opening up opportunities to share and to engage. And on Monday and Tuesday, we were, some of us as a staff, we flew over to Northern Ireland to spend two days with an amazing church on the north coast of, of Northern Ireland called the Causeway Coast Vineyard Church. It's a church that's about 1,500 or so people, and they, they're in a town that's smaller than, Col- than, than Hal Zoan. It's amazing at what God is doing there. And one of the big things that God is doing is he's giving them such a generosity as a church. And not only are they serving their community like we do, but they're going out on the streets and they're seeing people not only healed, but become followers of Jesus out on the streets. They've seen over 2,000 people become Christians in this year alone, which is phenomenal. And one of the guys called Mark, who I knew Mark a long, long time ago, and so we hadn't seen each other for years, but he's a guy that's been leading much of this work called Healing on the Streets. And they go out on the streets and they talk to people and they see them healed and they see them become Christians. And it sounds a little bit weird, but it's beautiful the way that it happens. But we were having lunch with Mark And because he goes out on the streets and he stops people and he talks to them and he asks them questions and he sees hundreds led to Christ, you immediately think that he's an extrovert. Mark looked at me and said, I'm an introvert. He said, I am an introvert. He said, every time I go out onto the streets, I have to prepare myself. I have to speak to myself. I have to come before God. And then he says this, and I take my introversion and I nail it to the cross. And I say, for the sake of those people who don't know you, I'm going to get over this and I'm going to share who God is. He says, then I go out and then when I come back, I have to re-energize myself on my own, sort myself out. Do you know what I mean? You know, because I'm an introvert and I thought that was so powerful to me. And so for many of us, you know, we think about being generous with our time. We think, oh, but that's not me. Do you know what? It can be you. Because we can take whatever it is that's stopping or blocking us and we can nail it to the cross for the sake of God. You can't save time, but you can invest it. And so what I want you to do this morning, I'm going to give you three generosity challenges and they all look the same. I want you to put your fists out in front of you like that, okay? And I want you to hold on tight. And I want you to imagine that what you're holding on to is your time. And here's the challenge. The next time you're tempted to say, I don't have the time, open up your hands. The next time you're tempted to say, I don't have the time, open up your hands and give the time. Be generous with your time. Secondly, I think we've got to be generous with our talents. The Apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 20, you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. 
Look what Paul says, when I lived with you, I didn't only give you your time, but I took the talents, the gifts that God has given me, and I used them for your benefit. In verse 24, he says, my, my life is worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. In other words, I'm going to use my talents to serve you. One of the biggest things that I'm going to do is I want to be generous with my talents. I want to serve other people. I don't want to live a selfish life. See, if you live a selfish life, it's not difficult to live a happy life. It's impossible. Okay? It, you see, this is counterintuitive. This is where the gospel of the kingdom is upside down. We think that to have a happy life, we have to hold on to everything. But God says it's the other way around. Jesus is the other way around. If you want to, give, if you want to have a life, you've got to give a life. If you want to live, you've got to die. It's all upside down. You've got to be generous with your talents. Jesus said, you know, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So don't hide your light. Let it shine before men, he goes on to say, so that all men will see your good deeds and they'll glorify God. And you and I have got talents and God has gifted us with talents. And when we serve others and when we serve God, we're being generous with what God has given us. But you might say, oh yeah, but I, I would do that, but I don't have the time. There's the one. You see the connection. I don't have the time. Do you know there are two kinds of regrets? There's the regret of action, things you did wrong, okay, or you regret. And there's a bigger regret as you get older, and that's the regret of inaction. And I want to suggest that later on in life, and I'm feeling this now, I think our biggest regrets won't be the things that we did, but it'll be the things that we didn't do. And be generous with your talents. Think of every opportunity you get as a gift from God. And what you do with the opportunity is your gift to God. And you and I are gifted. And we've got things. And if we could give that and go like that and be generous with our talents, God could do amazing things. You might say, oh, yeah, yeah, ah, serving thing. I want to lead. I don't want to serve. Well, you know, if you're too big to serve, you are way too small to lead. If you are too big to serve, you are way too small to ever lead. And what our planet is crying out for is an army of surrendered to God servant people who go out and serve, leaders who serve, people who serve. That's what our army, that's what our world is crying out for. And when we're generous with our talents, you might say, yeah, but I don't want to get involved because it might get messy. But if your faith stops at only you, your faith will become boring and eventually you will become cynical. And the, the, the writer in, in the New Testament, James, he says, pure religion, pure faith that pleases God is to look after widows and orphans in their distress. In other words, to look out for those who are less fortunate than you, to look out for those who are downtrodden, who are marginalized, who are disadvantaged, and do something about it. And when we do that, and when we get involved, then actually our life becomes so much more rich. And the guy, Alan Scott, who's the pastor of this church we went to, he made this great statement on Twitter a few weeks ago. He said, you won't find the life you're looking for until you give away the life you have. You won't find the life you're looking for until you give away the life that you have. And you might say, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where I'm gifted. I don't know where I'm talented. Well, we want to help you with that. We run a course here called Gifted to Serve. There's one coming up in November on two Wednesday nights, the 9th and the 16th. So when we start advertising that in a few weeks time, you can look out for that and sign up for it, the connection point, and we can help you with that. You might say, yeah, but I'm not all, I've not got it all together. My life's in a bit of a mess. You don't have to have it all together to give away what you've got. And if you're waiting until you have it all together, you'll be waiting a long time, right? But actually what we have got, we can give away. And I'm so glad at this church that this isn't just about serving in church. 
This is about out there in the community. This is about scattered servants, not just gathering together, but going out into their workplaces and into their world and making a difference. It's also about us as a group going out into our community and making a difference as well. And recently we've started getting more involved with the Highfields Estate. And it's such a joy and a privilege to be involved in that. And there's some photographs of some of our guys who've been giving their time and giving their talents and just going out on Thursday nights and interacting, the next one, Chris, and interacting with people and doing litter picking and and playing with the kids. And we've done some mini Olympics over there. And it's just been so great to help wash the feet of our community and to help serve them and to help get involved. And so the generosity challenge, folks, is this. Can you do this again? The next time you're tempted to hold on to your talents, open up. And just before I move on from this one, last Sunday, we asked a lot of guys to stand and we prayed for you. We prayed for any children or young people heading off to university or a different school. And we prayed for school kids and we prayed for parents because we were talking about worry and the whole thing of starting back to school. But I want us just to pray for another group of people this morning. And if you are involved in education in any way, I'd like you to stand. So if you're a teacher, if you're a teaching assistant, if you're a governor at a school, if you are a home educator and you're at home educating your kids, if you're involved in education, I want you to stand. Now, this is not because you're more important, I'm sorry, than any, anybody else who's serving in any other job, but this is just that at the start of a new term, we want to acknowledge that you guys are taking your time and you're taking your talents and you're not just doing a job, but you're helping to shape a generation. And we want to applaud you, don't we? We want to thank you for what you're doing. But, but not only that, guys, we want to pray for you today. We want to pray for you today. Because actually where God has placed you is an incredibly strategic position. And when you take your time and you take your talents and you surrender your life to him and you say, like it says in the book of Colossians, that whatever I do, I'm going to do as if I'm doing it unto God, then actually you're going to be generous and you're going to make an impact. So we want to pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you for every person who's standing right now. And Lord, we pray that tomorrow morning when they head out to be a scattered servant of Christ, we pray that they will know that the presence and the power of the Spirit is with them. God, it's so hard to be in education these days. So many challenges and difficult things. But God, we pray that your presence will be with them. And God, we pray that they would know that they're not just doing a job, but they're helping to shape a life. And God, we pray that it would come out of the generosity of God and that as they are generous with their time and with their talents, God, we pray that they would see you do amazing things in them and through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. So how do we go from good to great with generosity? Be generous with your time. Be generous with your talents. Got to hit this one. Be generous with your treasures. Paul later on goes to say about not coveting anyone's silver or gold or clothing. And at the end of that, in verse 35, he says, Because we remember the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we can't think about generosity and giving if we're not willing to think about the one that hits us the most, which is money. You see, treasure, okay, treasure is our things that we try to keep because we place a value on them. And so we treasure them. We keep them in a box called a safe because we think they're safe. And the interesting thing is that Albert Schweitzer, who was an author years ago, he said, if there's something you own that you can't give away, you don't own it, it owns you. And Jesus never said it's wrong to own stuff or to earn money or to save or to spend. But he challenged us to be generous when it comes to money. 
John Wesley's a Methodist preacher from the 1700s. He said this, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Well, how many of us say, could I go multi-choice on that? Do you know what I mean? Like two out of three is not bad. But he said, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. So how do we go from good to great when it comes to generosity with our treasures? And you know, I think if we're not prepared to look at our attitudes, we'll never go on to actions. And let me just say what my attitude is in talking to you about money this morning. My attitude is this. I want something for you more than I want something from you. The reason that Jesus spoke about money and possessions in the Bible more than anything else, because he knows how damaging they can be to our soul. You know, if we don't get to grips with this, if we don't get to grips with generosity in terms of giving of our finances, our treasures, as well as our talents and our time, it will grip us and it will choke the spiritual life out of us. And so some not so good attitudes is to give when you feel like it. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice the action is followed by the emotion, not the other way around. You see, we tend to say, when I feel like it, then I'll give. But Jesus says, no, the treasure, the action, the object always precedes the emotion. So don't give when you feel like it because you'll never give. That's not a great attitude. Or to give when you can afford it. You know, then, then again, we'll be waiting. Or to give when you feel pressured or to give erratically or haphazardly. They're not great attitudes. But world-class attitudes, great attitudes when it comes to giving are, to, to, are this. Give because you're grateful. Give because you want to be obedient to Christ. Give because you realize you need to give. I'm scared. I'm scared of the grip that money and possessions can have on my soul. That's one of the reasons that I give. My need to give is always greater than the need that I give to. And we need to understand, and many of us in this room, we get this. We understand the power of money and possessions. So we understand that actually our need is to give. You see, when we give to God, is God helped by what we give? Does it add anything to him when we give? Not at all. But what happens is that something changes in us. Something changes in us. And, 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 and you can't just think about attitude. You have to then think about action. And so one of the questions about action is this, how much should I give? When people ask me, how much should I give? I always want to ask them another question. Why are you asking that question? If you're asking how much to give, because it's like, how much can I get away with to keep God happy and to keep me asleep at night and all that? It's the wrong question. That's between you and God. My attitude to this is I've searched the scriptures, I've thought about it, I've researched it, I've prayed about it. And over nearly 30 years now, I can honestly say there is not a better way that I've found to give other than through tithing and then through offerings. And I want to explain that to you because some of that will be new language for some of you. You know, a tithe refers to setting aside a 10% of my income up front, okay, so before the bills and everything, and giving that to God. And then everything else, the other 90% that I've got to live on, that's all God's as well. And being open to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he encourages me and urges us to give. And it's so great being in that situation. And many people say, oh, tithing, that's about the law. And we're now we're under grace. Actually, tithing came in before the law. And when Jesus came in to usher in the covenant of grace, Jesus only spoke on tithing once and he clearly did not rescind it. Okay, Because what he says in Matthew 23 verse 23, he says, Woe to you teachers of the law, you hypocrites, you give a tenth, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, get your attitude right, but he never ever says don't tithe. He says when you tithe, tithe with a great attitude. So we've got to get our attitude right. And you know, for some of us this morning, it may be that you say, well, I'm already at that place. And for you, the generosity challenge is to go beyond that. For some of you think, oh, I'm nowhere near that place. Maybe the generosity challenge for you is to take a step towards it. 
It is between you and God. But I want to encourage you to find a way that you can give financially in a systematic, thought through, not haphazard or emotionally led way. And you will honor God. What about, next question, what about if I'm strapped? What about if I'm financially tight or if I'm in debt? That's a real issue. But again, the heart is the key. Attitude is all important. And you know, sometimes, if we're going to be honest, we say we can't afford to give, and yet we go out a lot, and we go on holiday, and we have treats, and yet we say we can't afford to give. John Maxwell, a leader, a writer, he said this, people give not from the tops of their purses, but from the bottom of their hearts. If you desire to become a more generous giver, don't wait for your income to change. Change your heart. Do that and you become a giver regardless of your income or circumstances. What about this question? Where should I give? Okay, I get I should give to God, but where should I give to God? Was it a mom and a, a son were in, a little kid and a mom in church one day when the communion came around, you know, the bread and the wine. And he went to reach for the bread and the mom says, oh, you're not old enough. She says, okay. Then a little bit later, the offering plate came around. She said to him, give your offering. And he said this, if I can't eat, I don't pay. (laughs) If I can't eat, I don't pay. Here's a good answer to the question. Where should I give? Give where you eat. Give where you eat. Give where you're relationally connected. For me, I give to this local church. I tithe and we give offerings above that. Not because I work for the church, but because this is where I eat. This is where I'm tied relationally. And this is where I I love the vision of this church. This is why I want to give. Now, I I give other stuff to other organizations and other people beyond that. But I give primarily to to God through this local church because this is where I eat and this is where I'm connected relationally. And this is the vision that I want to give my life to. So give where you eat. Third question. Well, no, we're on that. So the generosity challenge is this. Put your fist in front of you. The next time I'm tempted to hold on to my treasures, what am I going to do? Let go. Let go. I want to invite the band back up. You might think, well, what's in this for me? There's lots in it for you. When we become generous, guys, with our time and our treasures and our talents, what happens is that we become more and more like Christ. You are never more like God than when you give. And what also happens is that we get drawn to the heart of Christ. And so we are drawn away from a selfish, just me and my family kind of life to a bigger life, to a greater life, to a life that's worth living and a life that's worth dying for. We become drawn to God's view of life. We become drawn to a generosity which is absolutely life-changing and world-shaping. And you know, as I was praying and and thinking about today's message, and it's always one of those hard messages to give in one sense. and, And if you're a visitor this morning, we do not talk about money every week, okay? So please don't feel that. That's a stereotype that people have. But it's so important because if we don't get to grips with this, it will, get, it, it will grip us. It will grip us. And it may be this morning that some of you say, okay, I, I, want, I, I don't want to just have a good attitude. I want to get the action right as well. I want to get the action right. How do I do it? How do I give financially? We've got a couple of guys on our finance team and they're going to be in the Connection Lounge afterwards, okay? They're going to be having a cup of coffee. They're really nice guys. They like each other, but they don't want to sit on their own and just have a coffee with each other. They love to connect with you. So if actually you'd like to wander over there, have a coffee, and you can just have a conversation with them, and they will help you, okay? They're not to judge you or to pressure you or anything. They'll help you so that you can put some action on a great attitude and become generous in the way that you give. But as I was praying about today, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that not only talk about the generosity challenge, but also talk about the generosity overflow. And I felt the Holy Spirit say this, there will be some people in the room who will struggle with this issue because they've never had generosity given to them. They don't know what it is 
to receive generosity. They've never had anyone be generous to them. They've never had anyone gift them. They've never had anyone love them. They've never had anyone give them time. They've never had anyone speak into their life and be generous. And so I felt that God wanted to say to you guys, if that's you, that's okay, okay? Come to God. Open your hands and come to God. When you receive, we sang it earlier on, when you freely receive, then you can freely give. And I felt specifically that there were three groups of people here that some of you want to let go and you want to be generous, but you're afraid. You're afraid of what will happen if you do. Some of you, you want, to be, you want to let go, you want to be generous, but you're unsure. You're not afraid, but you're just unsure and uncertain and it's causing you to hold on. And for some of you, you want to let go, you want to be generous, but you're unfamiliar with generosity. You just don't know what it feels like. And I felt God say to me again, to say to you, just let go. Just open your hands. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. Let the Holy Spirit be generous to you. Jesus never said it's a bad thing to receive. He said it's a good thing to receive. It's just an even greater thing to give. But you can't give if you've not received. And so this morning, as Gemma is going to sing over you, and then I'm going to encourage us to sing together as we finish, just let God give to you this morning. He's such a generous God, isn't he? He gave all that he could, not to his friends, but to his enemies. That's how much he loves you and how much he loves me. And he loves us in an incredible way. And you know, I heard years ago, someone said this, if you were the only person left on the planet, Jesus would still have died for you. That's generosity, isn't it? That's amazing. So as she sings, just open up your hands this morning and receive from him and then say, God, I am not just going to listen to this stuff. I am going to be generous in my time, in my talents, in my treasures, with my life. Thank you. Why don't we stand together, shall we? I want to encourage you to take your fists again and just to open your hands. And as we sing this song, let's say together to God, shall we, Lord, we surrender. Surrender our time and our talents and our treasures. The next time there's a barrier there, next time there's something that stops us, maybe... We need to take that and nail it to the cross so that we can live generous lives that reflect who God is. We've only got one life to live. To live. I, want it, I want mine to be a generous one. And I'm sure you do too. Father, we thank you that you're an amazing God. And now as we just finish our time together and sing this song back to you, God, would you take more than the song? Would you take our lives? We surrender, Lord, to you. And we want to give. We want to be generous. And God, give us the courage and the grit and the determination and whatever else is needed so that we can live generous lives. The next time we're challenged to hold on to our time, we want to let it go, or our talents, or our treasures. We want to be led by you, Lord God. And we want, for the sake of the world and for the sake of you, we want to be those people that make grace most visible because we are most generous. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing at the end of this, just encourage you that if you want prayer for anything at all,